Hey everyone, welcome to the Canine Culture Podcast, where we talk about everything dog. Q&As with veterinarian professionals, rescue operators, everyday topics. We cover everything dog on this podcast. So make sure you subscribe to the Canine Culture Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And make sure you're following us on social media on both Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening. Now here's that next episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Canine Culture Podcast. This is your host, Brittany. And today we are joined by Fiona out of New Zealand. She is the CEO of Newflands, and I know I am ruining the pronunciation. She's going to fix it with her accent. So Fiona, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's um, it's amazing to be here. It's um, a very exciting opportunity for me. So, yeah, I'm really yes. looking forward to discussing and, and giving people an opportunity to learn a little bit more about New Zealand and how we sit in the world of, of the animal industry and, and what it is that we can offer um, from our perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for anyone listening, it took us some while to coordinate this because we are 18-hour time difference. And so... Mm-hmm. Her nights are my mornings. My mornings are her nights. I would be in bed while she's getting up for work. And so um, happy we could figure this out. And so let's just start with who you are and what you do. And I know you do a lot. Uh, and so people are going to be able to see that from your website. But let's talk about the online store, the dog park. Let's talk about everything you do. Okay, um, where do I start? Um, I started many years ago as a vet nurse and got a huge amount of um, knowledge from that um, and just my natural love for animals as a child growing up. Um, and then when I had my own dog in my own house, it was just we were in town and there was nowhere that I really could comfortably walk my dogs and wanted to be safe without anybody coming and harassing me or my dogs harassing anybody else. So mm-hmm. we looked to move outside. Plus, you know, I wanted another horse. So, um, we came out here about 30 odd years ago um, and we brought our first Newfoundland with us. So that was um, Dancer. And then we bred her after we'd done health testing on her, um, had a litter. And over the years, we had a few, quite a few dogs, a few litters, and um, my knowledge grew. And because of it, I found one of my dogs had a terminal heart condition. And I said to the vet, who happened to be. Um, a guy that I went to university with and said to him, um, oh, what, what what can I do to improve the quality of life? Because I know mm-hmm. that's terminal, you know, I know what the condition is. And they said, oh, um, but you can try some fish oil. So New Zealand is surrounded by water. If anybody's actually looked at New Zealand on a map, if you found a map with New Zealand on it, you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's surrounded by water and we've got a huge, wonderful, wonderful seafood fishing industry that is um, – amazing um very sustainable and and just willing to do the best it can for the environment um and so i went well you know we should have fish oil couldn't find anything anywhere so i brought one to market took a bit of doing but we got it there um and my ethos was from the start was it had to be sustainable it had to be environmentally you know acceptable and it had to be a fish oil that did the job it should have done and from there the brand grew and we started off with our fish our, our most well-known product which is our Newflands Hokey oil um, and then we've grown from there and we've added in the astaxanthin which is a marine algal oil we're the first in the world to have done that um, and we got acknowledged for that up in um, Kansas 
and then we've um, added in a range of treats because being sustainable we wanted to use the whole fish when we're fishing so we use the whole fish um, um, what we don't use in the treats all the oil we have turned into a gravy mm-hmm. and then from there we just sort of grew because people would come to me and say oh my dog's got this problem can you help me solve it with one of your products and so we've added in health treats and we've added in other bits and pieces and now we've just launched our pet wipes out of bamboo and we're about to we're just waiting on sign off for our pet spray so it's been a whole range of things um and one of the reasons we're doing sort of the more away from food products as well is that we've got the dog park which we run by donation and i teach people how to teach dogs to swim so yeah so that's um it's grown from there and then because we've had people coming and i've always boarded my own puppies and my own other people's dogs we've got a small kennels we turned an old gardening shed that was turning into a, a bit of a, a jungle into a cattery so we've got a small communal cattery on site as well and a small shop and yeah we have the online um shop as well so yeah there's quite a few fingers in place there. yeah yeah you're doing a little bit of everything yeah. so for those products those can be shipped internationally yeah right from the start I was like you know I want to be able to help more than just my animals it's got to be global and I've got family around the globe I've got friends around the globe so I wanted to make sure that anything we did in any of the factories we worked in that it was acceptable to go offshore and that's what we've done every factory we work with is is offshore ready and offshore capable and we yeah the other factories that have done stuff for me that haven't been have been under trial phases Mm -hmm. so yeah everything we do we can export and then the new pet wipes that you did i saw those uh, the bamboo pet wipes so what what exactly are those good for what are you guys using those for okay so the pet wipes um in new zealand we get very humid um and i noticed in asia as well because of the high level of moisture in the air so we've got a high yeast count um the design behind that is to clean between the toes, the pads, um, underneath the eyes, inside the ear flaps, um, and just dirty drool. And I've got dogs who slobber, and mm-hmm. people aren't always keen on that. So cleaning that mess around, but making sure that you're not um, adding in, you know, bacteria and yeast that can cause skin issues and hot spots and things like that. So um, that was the thinking behind that. Um, we've trialled it over the last Christmas with dogs in our kennels that have had earache and stuff, and the because we're not shoving right down into the ear, that the ear at the top ear is cleaned, but mm-hmm. that hasn't got quite down. So we've always had to have the antibiotics to to back up where we can't reach because you don't want to put your finger right down to a dog's ear; it can do damage. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and those sound kind of like a good option for the dogs that yeah. have all the folds in their face. Um, Definitely, yeah. Frenchies, bulldogs. I know they get yeah. like those deep, like yeast infections, and yeah. I don't know of many good white products that you can get like a lot of them the first ingredients alcohol or water um so some of them are either ineffective or they're just so harsh and drying so that's a cool product that you guys made the bamboo thank you i had a client in here yesterday and she's going i said because i give them a free wipe to to try them out and she's saying to me oh have you had the other wipes and i go no and she goes oh these are so soft and so good and so nice (laughs) i was like Hey, she's coming back today. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our first iteration of the photos that we've got on the website, um, that the labels aren't quite the the quality. So we're just uh-huh. working with a company at the moment to improve the labeling. Right. So, yeah. Um, and then we'll improve the photo quality. But, you know, when you do a product, you want to get it out and you want to help animals as quickly and as 
you know, as quickly as possible um, mm-hmm. and get people and, and, you know, because you yourself as an owner, you want to do the best for your animals as soon as possible. So, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that was interesting to me or eye-catching to me on your website was international pet travel and how you guys can help with that. And so that's where we're going to turn to. Um, I think for a lot of Americans, we, I don't want to speak for everyone. However, a lot of us don't know a lot about international pet travel. We're afraid to do it. Uh, A lot of people don't know certain countries you have to quarantine uh, many countries you need paperwork because when you fly domestically within the United States from state to state, there really aren't too many requirements. I mean, you pay. So if your dog's under a certain size, they can go under the seat in front of you, like a kind of like a backpack. Or if they're over a certain size, they go down in cargo. And I don't know if you guys experience this, but flying cargo in America is usually not great for pets. It's usually not very temperature controlled. Um, there's really no thought around putting those dogs in cargo. They're treated like luggage. So, and I, I, and I wonder if it's different for you guys. So tell us a little bit about how you guys assist in international pet travel. Tell us kind of what's your kind of role whenever someone comes to you for international pet travel. And I know before we jumped on, you talked a little bit about it. So let everyone kind of know what that looks like. Yeah, so there's another part I forgot to talk about. So I'm <laughs> you brought it up. Um, yeah, so um, I'm I'm involved in helping the owner get their animal prepared for um, exiting the country. I don't have a lot to do with importing animals. I have helped in the past to try and um, get people in touch with quarantine facilities because often it's better to be in touch directly with a quarantine facility so you're getting the latest information from the import team and they're knowing, you know, you're knowing exactly what's required. Um, quarantine in New Zealand, if you bring an animal into New Zealand, can last anywhere from 10 days to 30 days depending on what country they've come into. Mm-hmm. Some countries you can't bring your dogs back to New Zealand directly. You've actually got to go to a third country and stay in that country for six months before they can come into New Zealand. Um, so you need to really check that out first. Um, with the US, the US is, is fairly easy. It's generally, um, and this is me saying without the latest knowledge, about 10 days. Um, there are vaccines you need to have done. You, some I would have to double check around the TETA testing for the rabies vaccine. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, that's why I put people onto the quarantine facilities. They've got the up-to-date information and I don't want to say anything incorrectly. When it comes to exporting, though, um, New Zealand's one of the safest places to export. So if your dog's been here in New Zealand for more than 190 days and um, it's either it's come from another country or it's it's been born in New Zealand, it generally can go directly into the country that, that you're travelling to. Um, because we're such such a rigid country when it comes to um, all our testing, not just for mm-hmm. food, but food and everything as well. Um, so we're very fortunate that we've got a very clean colony of um, birds and fowl and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate thing is that not every country will accept them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we've, we're we fortunate in that respect. You know, our diseases are minimal compared to other countries. Um, we haven't yet had a case of foot and mouth disease in New Zealand. Oh, Not wow. That, that, that won't happen, but um, right. it's something that we've been very, very, our biosecurity is pretty strict. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's pretty good because of it. Um, 
so yeah and if, if we were to have it it would be pretty devastating it would basically cut New Zealand in two because of the water line there would be lots of issues that would have such a huge mm. flow and effect within New Zealand if we did have foot and mouth so we want to do everything we can to prevent that from occurring in New Zealand and to really make sure that everything is safe because it doesn't just affect the animals. You said for import, normally it's at least 10 days. So if I was coming to visit for seven or eight days, how would that work? Would I be able to? No, not at all. So you'd leave your pet at home. So if you're coming for, for anything less than 190 days, I would recommend you keep your pet at home and find someone to foster or care for your pet or a staycation place that will look after them. Um, it's it's nicer on them because of the distance they're traveling um and it it's also the the paperwork that you have to go through the things you've got to do your day of being in new zealand doesn't count until you actually leave or exit quarantine so you've got that period of time on top which is why i say at least 190 days mm-hmm. um, and then there's the blood works that have to be sent off and make sure that they're not um, there's not an issue with blood that could be done that may be required from another country. Uh, if you're going into Australia and you come from another country, you have to do a leishman's test before you can enter Australia. If you've been in quarantine in New Zealand, you have to have been out of quarantine for over 190 days, 80 days, sorry, um, before you enter Australia. So oh, wow. there's, there's a bit to it. Um, yeah. If you're just coming for a holiday, just come for a holiday, give your animals a break and let them have a holiday, you have a holiday, and then go back right. and you'll both be refreshed to see each other. Yeah. Um, if you're coming to live, come and get yourself set up first. Um, come and see if it's really a place you want to be because it's a distance. There's a lot involved in moving. It's very stressful um, and it, it creates quite a bit of stress. And then if you're comfortable doing it, then bring your pets over. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that it is going to be your your long-term place because no one wants to give their pets up. Um, right. Yeah. And and by all means, don't leave your pets behind. Pets are welcome in New Zealand. Um, we're probably not as dog-friendly a society as perhaps overseas. Um, you don't see as many places where you can go walking and camping and tramping as you would in the US or in the UK. Um, it's just the society as we live because there's a lot of animals that are raised for income so there's a lot of farms there's a lot of grass-fed animals so walking across a farmland or a farmer's place with your dogs is not acceptable in New Zealand it's not oh, allowed wow. private okay. property um, and the same with our, our bushes and our reserves you have you can only go to dog dog areas which are stipulated by the local councils that you're allowed mm-hmm. to take them Everywhere your dog needs to be on a leash, unless it specifically states that it's got to be off leash. So that's why I say come and experience New Zealand first before you make that decision. Um, yeah, if if mm-hmm. you're if you're an animal lover, you know we're not not welcoming you. We love you. <laughs> we want you right. with open arms. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but um, but there are probably because of our biosecurity concerns, there are um probably a few more sort of barriers to entry in New Zealand than there are in other countries. Mm -hmm. And you guys also help if someone wanted to charter their pets. So rather than Mm. fly domestic, or or I guess you wouldn't call it domestic, but if you don't want to fly on, uh, you know, a commercial flight like Delta or Southwest. So how does some of those charters look or what does someone do to start chartering? And how expensive is it? Cause it's got to be expensive, right? Yeah, it is expensive. It's a luxury. So you don't want to be looking, you don't want to think that you can charter a flight and get the, the same price as a, um, 
as a cheap flexi ticket that you bought from from a Christmas deal. That's right. not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, a cheap place for one pet and one person on a just the seat alone on a charter flight would be thirty five US thirty five thousand uh-huh. US. That would be a cheap one stage ticket. Um, so when you're thinking charter, you really need to think. Um, you know, you're looking luxury. You're looking at um, high end. But if you have a brachiophallic breed and you're looking to travel long distance, that's what you need to look at. So that's another mm-hmm. reason why I say be careful if you're coming with your dog and they break your phallic because you can only go in cargo up to five hours out of New Zealand. And that is only if they pass the BOAS test, which is a breathing test for brachiophallic breeds, which is done by your local vet in New Zealand. So you, you need to be very aware of, of what's happening um, for yourself. Brachiophallic breeds, um, giant breeds, um, it, sometimes it works out, believe it or not, more cost effective to go business class with yourself when your family and your dog will catch, um, dog and catch, depending on how many animals you have, mm-hmm. charter and less stress. Um, so when we do a charter flight, we um, arrange all of the medical for the dogs. Um, we work with you to get you onto the actual charter flight. And um, generally speaking, things are sort of quicker in that you're not having the same load in time so if you're going cargo your animal has to be anywhere from three to four hours depending on the airline um sort of presented to the airline three to four hours prior to the flight taking off um with charter you're with your pet the whole way through so you you walk Mm -hmm. into the terminal you're with your animal you hop on the plane with your animal they do need to be crated from the terminal through to the actual plane Mm -hmm. but that's not not an issue that's just partly for their own safety because you're going straight onto a runway and there's planes and there's lots of danger and anxiety that can occur so all animals that's dogs and cats have to be crated from the um, charter terminal through to the plane and then once they're on the plane they're out of the crate and it's not a problem Mm -hmm. at all yeah and you talked about medical I'm sorry Titan's going to talk too so um, we don't actually do that much medical testing here when I think about more often than not, I mean, I could take a five-hour flight with a Frenchie or a bulldog without any kind of breathing test. And so it's it's almost alarming for me to hear that we can just do that and take that risk. But you guys are really taking that extra step to make sure that that dog is going to indeed be safe. I mean, it makes sense. I, if For anyone listening to this, if you're in the U.S., I don't know if we offer those kind of tests at our vet sounds, I mean, it sounds like something we should do for those dogs that could have more issues breathing. Um, and then, yeah, it sounds like also you guys are much more stringent with respect to proving vaccinations and blood work because here I can fly, fly from Florida to New York. Um, and they say your dog should be vaccinated, but I'll be honest, they've never checked. So even if they checked, I think max, they maybe check rabies. Um, and you guys have more requirements, right? Definitely. Um, so although we don't have rabies in New Zealand, we if, if we're going into a country that's um, requiring rabies vaccination, we will enable the vets in New Zealand to give that rabies vaccination to the pet 
prior to them leaving the country. And then we have to supply the government defence. So when you're prepping an animal for export, you often have to go and visit your local vets to make sure your vaccinations are up to date. Your local vet then has to verify and sign and date the fact that that microchip and that vaccination was given. The chip was checked prior to the vaccination being given because all our animals have to be microchipped in New Zealand. Oh, okay. Um, so we do that, and then the government vet will sign off on the export certificate. So you won't get the export certificate for any country except Australia from New Zealand. Okay. Um, so, for example, going into the US, you won't get that until you've been to the government vet, and the government vet will check to see if your crate fits under the IATA regulations, and they will check to make sure that the vets have given you the correct vaccinations and the worming tablets, and it's our job to help you through that process to make sure that we understand what vet, what vaccinations you need. Um, and if we don't know, we go back to the government vet and we say, hey, can you check this, make sure it's okay, is this animal okay to go into this country? Mm -hmm. um, and that happens on a regular basis. You know, I've, I've constantly checking with with mpi our, our government vets you know is this correct is that correct what's happening with this what's happening with that so yeah 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 that's awesome that you guys provide that kind of guidance because yeah. just other countries that don't have it that's something we just wouldn't even think about you know so yeah. um that's amazing yeah. uh any and, sorry no go ahead i was just going to say and the other thing to bear in mind is that when you leave new zealand Virtually no airline will allow you to have an animal in cabin, no commercial airline that has they will have to be cargo. Oh really? Flights. Yep. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you know for those flights that are cargo, uh, do they regulate the temperature? Do you know like if the dogs are treated any different than the luggage? Yeah. So um, our understanding is that there is a pressurization and a temperature control particularly the long hauls, so um, for the likes of Emirates and Qatar that are heading over to um, Doha or Dubai, definitely that's in place, um, and hence the extra expense because they've implemented that into the cargo part. Mm -hmm. um, and the same goes for Air New Zealand, um, Air Canada, because they're travelling live animals, they have to, by standards and regulations, have those in place. Okay. Um, what they can't do is prevent turbulence. No one can prevent turbulence. Right, right. So, um, you know, things can happen as much as you love animals and you want the best for them. You know, they're in a plastic container. It drops 10,000 feet. Suddenly your animal, you know, is going to feel that. So there mm -hmm. are things that um, that aren't perfect, but that could happen in a, in a charter flight as well. It's just that you would be in the cabin with them. Right. So you'd be able yeah. to reassure them. So, um yeah, it, it's hard because, you know, there are things that are beyond everybody's control. Yeah. Well, one more tip. Um, if you are traveling with your dogs in cargo, please make sure, no matter what time of year, that you freeze their water. So that water slowly defrosts over the period of time. So they've got water available to them the whole trip. Yeah. That's smart. I don't think people even think about putting water in there to begin with. So oh, wow. okay. I, I know, I know, I know. But yeah, <laughs> that's a good tip. Yeah. So if people want to find you guys, whether they want to look at your supplements, whether they are thinking about moving there, or maybe they live there and they're moving back, um, mm. tell everyone where they can find you online. Um, so our website is newflins.co.nz. So um, yeah, Newflins spelled with, um, the, without the O-U-N-D <laughs> of Newfoundland's dogs, because yeah, 
the new fees the the breed of dog that i i breed first so yeah yeah. Well, we appreciate all of the information. Uh, love hearing from you guys over in New Zealand and uh, just appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning into the Canine Culture Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe to the Canine Culture Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and make sure you're following us on social media. If you have any recommendations, any topics that you'd like to hear, if you know of any guests that would be good for the show, or if you yourself want to be a guest, please reach out to us. Send us an email at canineculturepodcast at gmail.com or send us a direct message on social media. Thank you for listening and please share this with any of your dog loving friends.